You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who's gonna be in every episode. Hey, what's up, co-host? How are you today? Don't even. Don't even start with this. <laughs> Every week with the same thing. Not the same thing. I try to, you know, try and mix it up. Try to mix it up? Yeah. Like, kind of kind of weave your way through? That's right. One of these days is just going to be so natural that, like, I won't even see it. And I'll be exactly. like... Exactly. I'll be like, exactly. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait a second. Exactly. One week. One week, maybe. I know. That's... I mean, that really is your best strategy, I think, when it comes down to it, is determining... Some way of of getting me lulled into a sense of of something, mm-hmm. but maybe what you need to do is like weeks upon weeks upon weeks of being like, ah, oh, you're special guest. I'm so excited to be here today, you know, or maybe insult me for not like introducing you more properly mm-hmm. or something like that. It sounds like what you're trying to do is to lull me into not trying. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be weird. <laughs> what Don't a- try and lull me into a strategy of lulling you into things. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll just see. Anyway, my special guest here today. Uh, <clears throat> we're super excited. I think we're going to have a great episode. Yeah. I say that, but we're, we're literally standing on the front end of a full hour of discussion, and I have no idea where it's going. Uh, you, agreed. As usual, we've written down a bunch of notes, and as usual, I suspect we talk about almost none of it. That, that's about that's about the case, yes. Yeah. Actually, interestingly, we were talking to our, our dad, who is a fantastic host himself. He, being like a TV news anchor, has done many uh, uh, events where, like, growing up, we would go and, like, run a local 5K, and he would be, like, the guy, like, doing, you know, awards and such yeah. after the fact. So he, he's definitely used to being in front of a crowd and doing a little bit of improvisation and, yeah. you know... Thanking all the sponsors and getting knowing all the local racers and yeah, all the things, yeah. all the things. Yeah, like that was the thing. Yeah, like we would we would run these five Ks so frequently, and Roanoke is a small enough town that Dad was like getting to the point where he knew some people by like their running reputations. Yeah, and he would be able to literally be like, "Oh, so and so always wins the blah blah blah," and it's like, "Man, Dad, like that is very impressive." Yeah, like really, like bringing almost a sense of like it was. It's almost like. If you were to run a 5K in Roanoke, Virginia, it would almost be like having an announcer who had like a like a script of notes, you know? Right. Like like if you're watching a football game and like that one player does the thing and they've got like a like a little story queued up for them. It's right. like, ah, William McFinley there who just ran for the touchdown. We, we got a great story about him this week where he was he was doing this. He actually had to sell his car to buy a dozen burritos for a local Girl Scout troop. And they'll have like images queued up or whatever. But I always wonder, like, you know, they must have to wait for them to like oh, do yeah. something totally. in order to tell the burrito story. You know, yeah, you know, they have always like as part of the the prep for any like professional sports game, maybe particularly the NFL, which is just like so high and away the most popular. They've got like these little stories or things. They're clearly just waiting for a player to make a big play and be like, hey, look at that, boom. 
We, we have a whole little fun segment for you uh, in yes. the middle of the game. In the middle of the game. It's like, how, how did they queue this up so quickly? How do the yeah. announcers know so much about every player? Yeah. It's, I, it is actually, it's interesting because I feel like it must be someone's job, like, you know, on the, like each NFL team each week to sort of like go through and be like, hey guys, I'm like collecting stories for this week's you know, this week's episode, this week's game. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, you know, have, have any of you guys done any cool things? Anybody have like a big life event, have a baby this week or something? Like, you know, we need stuff to talk about Like when, when you have that big play. I, for sure, that is the like marketing slash PR department's job. Almost definitely is to coordinate with the team and with the broadcast network stories they can do. Right. Yeah. Yes. For sure. So really applaud to whoever that person is because they're they're the ones making sure that the commentators eventually get that story. Right. And that someone at whatever broadcast network is like prepping it ahead of time. Right. So I, what I think is so funny about this, though, is that they do it for college players as well. But I also think for college players, there's there's probably less major like big time life event things that might be happening for them. So I don't know if you remember this, but there was a player who who was like a wide receiver for Virginia Tech a few years back and every single game like whenever he would make a catch they would use the same fun fact which was that he yes. wore three xl gloves mm-hmm. and it was just it was like i think this was the first time it was almost like i was peeking behind the curtain because it was like that's all they had for that guy and he was a fantastic player and the only thing they knew to talk about him was like oh he's got those three xl gloves yep you know and it's like he tears through them each week is what yeah. they say they had to be custom ordered because they didn't make gloves big enough for him right yeah. right Right. That's what they would say. It's like he's got big hands. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's yeah, it's funny, especially with college, because like if you want if you do like NFL, you get the same commentators every week on whatever network you're watching. Yes. Basically. They've got like very professional people. On college, it's it's a total crapshoot about what you're gonna get. And they obviously just have like a list of bullet points they give to whoever's calling the game. Yes. And so yeah, it, especially if you're watching your home team over and over and over again, you will become very accustomed to those bullet points. And sometimes they just sound like natural, obvious things you might say. But in the case of like the triple XL gloves, it was like such a specific thing that clearly each week someone else had like, oh yeah, whatever. Here's a fun thing you could say about this person. Right. Yeah. It's so clear. But like, yeah, if you watch if you watch the Hokies forever, the the coaching duo was Frank Beamer and Bud Foster. That was the head coach and the defensive coordinator. They'd both been there for like 20 years. You could not go through a game without them telling you that Frank Beamer was the current winningest active head coach. That was like their favorite stat about this guy. And then then they like Beamer ball is basically like like a reference to uh, Virginia Tech's propensity towards like special teams plays. Blocked punts. Yeah. yeah, And it's like. The funny thing about Beamer Ball was that towards the end of Frank's career as the coach, like it's like blocking punts just wasn't really a part of it anymore. Yes. But like at one time it super duper was and he had amounted to such a stat for blocked punts that even years in the future, his like numbers were still up on other people. Right. So they would be like, yeah, if you just, if you look at the most number of block punts since 1996, it's like, cause no other teams really are focusing in on this as a game winning tactic. Right, right, right. So we got a reputation for something very specific, but then I feel like on top of that though, it would be like something where, like you said, it wasn't like an actively used 
strategy in like the gameplay. So like you get like six, seven games into the season before they like inevitably block a punt, even just by accident instead of strategy. But then the announcers, because this is such a thing, it's like they haven't done it all season. It's not a part of their gameplay. It's not part of what they do. And sure enough, it would be like, and that's Beamer ball for you. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> is it though? Is it? Because I like, mean, there's nothing more fun than a blocked punt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, I mean, but yeah, but, but we're long past the days where we're getting like five to six a season right you know right. yes exactly exactly yeah. so but anyway uh speaking of this like sort of like having the fun details about something you and i a few times have worked actually with our dad for the blue ridge marathon which is like the hardest road marathon in the country or something yeah, toughest road marathon in america yeah that's the one look at you you could be on the commercials oh man which is fitting for the story i'm about to tell <laughs> um so dad had asked us a few times to come and like volunteer because as people are coming down the finishing stretch for for one it is one of the most contagious race finish environments that I feel like I've ever been a part of. Like I've run like the, the half marathon before and coming down this finishing shoot, you're coming into like this, this like local park area and it's a really beautiful like brick. I don't know, like downhill shoot to the finish line. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous and people are cheering and it's just like a very fun environment. Yeah. But one of the things that they do is that like when you sign up for the race, you can sort of give like your uh, like a little detail about yourself or like something you want the announcers to say as you're finishing. Right. And so these are really funny, though, because it it's sort of like we were just talking about how dad had this like knack for it, like a skill for like kind of getting to know the people in the town. Us, on the other hand, literally had exactly these notes. And I always thought it was just really funny. Like as these people are coming through the finishing line, they would have written some type of like inside joke or something like that their family would understand or just like, yeah, you know, it would be like, get that man a beer. Right. You know, but they would they would have had the forethought to write down in the notes for their finishing like moment to have the announcer read, get that man a beer. Yeah. You know, like, which I just think is really funny because it was like so preemptive. Right. But what I, I feel like you were so good at this. Like you, I feel like you were like, you fell into the role rather nicely. And like, you were able to like, really like take the information, like give lots of excitement into it. I think this is like one of those things where I was like, I was holding on with fingertips like I w- that's how barely able I was to actually do this task. Yeah. Because it's like it's not off the cuff. It is rehearsed. Not rehearsed. Not but rehearsed, like it's but you're reading off something. It's yeah. So it's like yeah. it's maybe not organic, and it feels so. It's not something that comes naturally to me to do that. Sure. To where I I was always feeling like like they would like hand me the microphone and it was like and here comes Jill coming down the finishing stretch. Way to go, Jill. Jill wants to thank her family and friends for being here today. Like <laughs> I you don't know. think it quite sounded like that. But that's what I heard in my head. Like that's right. like the level of enthusiasm I felt like I was able to. It wasn't the voice I'm using right now, you know, sure. which is like my 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 host voice. Uh, of course, of course. Well, I will say that I think maybe the last time when you were doing this, was that the first time you had done it? I think I've done it twice. You've done it twice? Yes. I think I've probably done this like six or seven times now. Okay. Okay. Not to brag. Not to brag or anything. But dad wanted me to do it because he saw my natural raw talent. (laughs) I think mostly what happens is that because our dad is like one of the founders of the marathon and because he's such like a local voice for the community. Yes. They always want him on the microphone. And I guess maybe if you are local, maybe it's fun if, you know, John Carlin's reading your name at the finish line or something. It is pretty cool. Yeah. I'd be excited for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> of course, of course. But the um people there's there's you know several events throughout the day. There's like you know the kids fun run, and then there's the half marathon and then the full marathon. And people will be finishing those races over the course of like no joke six hours or something. Yes. So it's a lot to ask for someone to stand there and read the names for six hours with the same level of enthusiasm. So typically we were we were more like relief callers. We you know? we were relief callers. We definitely we weren't we weren't stepping in and like, you know, shouldering the entire day or yeah. anything like that. It was like we'll we'll go and do like our hours worth. But no okay, so this this has happened a couple of other times in our life. So another one was very early on in the like Super Carlin Brothers YouTube channel progress. We did like our first like crowd funded uh like kind of charitable cause and it, okay. was, it was Over the Edge. Yeah. Do you remember this? I do remember doing Over the Edge. Okay. So we had, uh, who, was the, who was the benefactor for it? I, I'm like- um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Big Brothers, Big Sisters. That's correct. It's been like seven years or something since we did this. But the whole idea was that if you had like raised a certain amount of money as like an organization or a group, then you got to like repel off of- a building yeah. in downtown Roanoke. And so it was kind of like a fun, like thrill factor. So you quite literally like go over the edge. Right. You know, and it's a fun, like um, very public event for, you know, to get people excited about the cause and everything. And I remember that part of us doing this was what was one going over the edge. So like we did the repelling and everything. And then also we had to hold mics while other people came down and do the same thing. Like, like we, yeah. we were like the hype men for the people coming down. Coming down. And I, think I forgot was, we had to do that. I know, right? And I think this was something where, like, the person who asked us to do it was, like, a friend of ours who worked for the organization. I think because we were doing this YouTube channel, it would have stood to reason that we would have, like, tons of enthusiasm and gusto. Again, to do this very thing, like, yeah. maybe to do it well. And I feel like what I remember about doing it was that I was, like, ten times more terrified about emceeing the event than I was going over the edge. Than rappelling down the building. Rappelling down the building, yeah. yeah. And so I was, I was like, I was like, no problem. Like, I, I can go down a building, whatevs. But I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this microphone. And I remember it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, well, maybe it's in your head. You're doing a great job. And then we like passed off to like a local radio DJ or something who immediately was like, how's everybody doing today? <laughs> right. We've got Spider-Man coming down the side of the building. And, you know, it's like he like immediately, like it went from our like sort of almost like half hollow voices of like, way to go, everybody to just this like, like. I don't know, very enthusiastic. And it was, I think it was one of those moments that stuck with me because I was like, oh man. But did it make you want to get better also? No, no. no. I think it was, I think I was intimidated by it, by such a, by such a margin. Like there's, okay. Like when you deal with motivation, there are different like levels that you can hit. So like, even if you're working as like a boss in an organization or something, if you make jobs that are too easy, then it's like boring and people will just put it aside because it just doesn't feel like that essential to actually have it done. And if jobs are way too difficult, people will avoid them because they don't think that they can actually accomplish them. Mm -hmm. And so getting that like sweet spot is like figuring out a goal that feels like just enough to, you know, kind of get people driven to go okay and it feels like rewarding but they also feel like a sense of control and ability over that task okay okay so for me i felt like 
it was watching something like that. I was like, Ooh, I'm not even close. Like, <laughs> like, you know, if I was at like a nine, then like what I would be trying to get to would be like a 93. So it was like, it was too far away. But on the flip side, I would like, we've done plenty of like public speaking style events since that moment. And I would say you seem like more than enthusiastic. Like you seem very good at talking to people in front of a crowd. In front of a crowd. Like when we were at, you know, like any of the cons we've been to, or like when we went to NerdCon, we had to host a panel for like how to not suck at vlogging, I think is what it was called. It was. And we, we put together the PowerPoint like half an hour before we were supposed to be on stage. And I think, I think it was completely, I mean, the whole room was full and I think everyone had a really fun time and we were great at it. Here's the thing, though. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a, a early Ben life story that I think is probably playing into some portion of this. Okay. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm about to say? Is this about uh, your mountain bike? No. No. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. Unless you're getting things confused. Maybe. Um, so when I was in, I think it was fourth grade, I was involved with like a speech contest. Yeah. And the whole thing was like sort of like a way to try to get ki- like young kids excited about public speaking. And yeah. Stuff. So every classroom in like the fourth grade or whatever, every student had to like prepare and then deliver a speech. And then like teachers sort of like rounded up their numbers and notes and stuff and like worked with the other like two teachers who taught the same grade. And they submitted like two finalists to go on to the the finals and, or regionals or whatever it was. Uh, the next level of speech giving. Yeah. And so I had given a speech and was selected to move on to the finals. Oh, man. I know with a with a fellow classmate Ashley, right? And which I was always like, man, both of us from the same classroom. How about that? Those other two classrooms didn't have a representative. <laughs> it's like that must really be a bummer for them. But so this was like a big thing though because I think this point in my life, and very much as a kid, and with our dad doing what he did, being like a TV newscaster and stuff, it was one of the most common questions I feel like people asked when I would like meet our parents' friends was like, oh, are you going to grow up to be a TV news reporter too? And it was kind of like, maybe, like, you know, right. sort of like a bright-eyed response. Like, right. Like, you're just a kid. You're just a kid. You don't know. Right. But, like, as far as I was concerned, you know, it was, it was the main thing that would have felt like the most obvious future profession to potentially have sure would be a newscaster did you have that sense at all i mean you went to school yeah for i mass mean i Com. went to school and yeah i majored in like mass communication so yeah <laughs> yeah okay see so yeah yeah you totally get it same exact thing rubbed off on you yeah so but what like i was preparing the speech and at the time we were really big fans of lance armstrong because he was like we were like super tuned into the tour de france as kids and yeah we'd, like watch it with dad and so i remember like i wrote my whole final speech about Lance Armstrong and sort of cycling and, you know, what he had done and all that. So this is why I said mountain bike. Maybe that's where I was just crossing some hairs. I got you. I got you. Okay. So yeah, there's there's at least a biking theme in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But not mountain biking. Okay. Not even close at all. Whoops. Yeah. So anyway, I go. Didn't you bring a bike on stage? No, 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 no. That was a different, that was a different presentation. Oh, okay. That was, that was, uh, the next year instead of the speech, the same exact speech contest, they had you do a demonstration of some kind in front of the class. And for that particular occasion, I brought my, uh, my Gary Fisher mountain jam. That was the name of mountain bike. Right. Uh, I brought it to the class and I basically gave like a, like an anatomy lesson on like all the different parts of the bicycle. I see. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. That's that's, what I'm mixing up. That's why you were confused. You had back-to-back bike-themed 
presentations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, in general, and I can I have more stories about this where the same thing has happened. Uh, basically, if I have like a singular interest, then that manifests pretty much everywhere. So like in college, I was running the aquarium company. And yeah. when I took public speaking, like all of my speeches that I gave were all about like corals oh you know when i took public speaking one of my store one of the speeches i gave was actually about biking no way i can tell that story after this after you're done with this if you want sure 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 no i mean i'd love to hear it (laughs) i'm Um, sure you know it (laughs) (laughs) anyway so i'm like writing this speech with dad and we're like preparing it he's like helping me rehearse it and we have it like all printed out and like the way that he used to do uh like a news brief i don't even know what the technical term for it was but it it seemed like everything was written in like caps lock and double spaced enough to where it was supposed to be like highly like legible like on the paper right so it it kind of had like a very like newsprint story reporter feel to the whole thing and we had just put like a lot of time in it together it was a very like distinct father-son moment in my memory like yeah yeah, as a child so but then of course dad is a newscaster so at night like he wasn't able to actually come to the event so mom was out there with me and i remember i like go and i give my presentation and i was like oh man like that was you know that was so cool it went great it went great and uh they like afterwards they've got like the awards up on stage where they've got like plaques for you know first second third place or whatever and so they've got like all the people in like our category up on stage and they're like going through and like reading off like people's names like how they did and where like whatever and finally you know it's like they read like third place and you know, like the kid goes up and gets it and then second place and the kid goes up and gets it. And then it's like literally me and Ashley from my class right. are like left standing on stage. Yeah. And we're like kind of looking at each other like, whoa, like this is crazy. Crazy. And I, they were like in first place, Ben Carlin. Woo! And I was like, what? Congratulations. Like, I can't believe it. Like, you know, it's like I walk over and they had this like really big plaque and they handed it to me. And like, I remember, you know, looking up at the guy and it was like, oh, I can't believe this is so cool. And so I'm like walking back to like through this room of like 300 people. Uh, It was like, it was like a cafeteria that had a stage like up at the front of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm like walking through the cafeteria back to the table. I sit down next to mom and I remember like looking at her and I was like, dad's going to be so proud of me. (laughs) And as I'm like saying the words, the guy up on stage is like, we made a mistake. And it was like, Oh no. And they were like, Ben, could you come back up here? And so now it's like the whole room is dead silent. And it's like, like, I can't imagine what it was like to witness what was about to happen. Right. Because it had, I mean, there's like our family's reaction to it, mom's reaction to it, my reaction to it. But there were tons of other people who had to watch this happen. Yeah. But basically, I had to carry the plaque back through the room of 300 people, back up on stage, like with big lights up there and everything, and literally hand the plaque to Ashley, right. who had actually won. And that was the mistake. And, well, and the mistake was that they had, now that they read the wrong name for first place, they had read the results backwards. Oh, so second and third were wrong, too. So second and third were wrong, too, but they didn't have them come back up on stage. It was just me. And it also meant that not only had I not won, but I had come in last. Oh, gosh. So It's it was, so painful. It's so painful. It, this the, uh, the whole way through. And it's like, like it's totally one of those things where it's there's a huge part of me that that was so upset and like distraught and and it was one of those yeah. rare moments like as a kid where I remember being really upset and like mom completely validated it like it was like it was like she was 100% like yeah no that like that was not okay what just happened like you have every right to be upset right now yeah which was even like that's another like distinct thing that like stands out in my memory was like that it was okay inside of this moment to be upset because that was i don't know maybe 
as a kid, most of the tantrums you throw, it's like your parents are probably not on board with you being <laughs> yeah. upset. But this was one of those moments where it was like, yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like, yeah, be be sad there. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I came in last. But it, there was, I think it was like two or three weeks later, I remember the the guy who had read the results up on stage came to our classroom and something must have happened behind the scenes that caused this to happen. But he brought me my fourth place plaque. Oh, great. Yeah. So it just seems to me that in a because how old were you? So if I was in fourth grade, you were in fourth grade in a in a competition for fourth graders, like maybe like to me, it seems like it's okay to award first, second, third if the pool of competitors is like 20. Yes. You know, yes. If the pool is four, just don't even do just don't even rank them. Just be like, these were the top four from the classes. Didn't they do a great job? This like, is what is the point? This is the most mind boggling thing to me. Like hard stop is that I have no idea how the stage situation happened. The most distinct memories I have of it is me and standing up there with my classmate, Ashley, and like looking across at her and being like, it's one of us. Like, and we had this like shared moment of like, of like, like, congrats to you. Congrats to you. Like it was like, we, we both yeah. realized that one of us won. Yeah. And to this day, I have absolutely no idea because that was the other thing is that when they gave me the plaque, she was left standing on stage too. Right. That's like, like, like obviously it's so terrible that they just, they read the results wrong because yes. like what it's, it's like a, it's such a bad situation for everyone involved because Obviously, Ashley, who did win, I guess totally deserved, must have deserved her win and oh, yeah. you know, whatever recognition she had coming. Listen, great speech about dolphins. <laughs> great speech. <laughs> Stuck with you, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Learned things about dolphins you'll never know. <laughs> but, <laughs> they're so smart. But like, even, even if they read them correctly and you had just naturally come in fourth, you would have like, they would have had four kids on stage and awarded three of them. I know. Which I know. Like, also, just like, what? Just only bring three up. I know, I know. know. Or, yeah, it, it boggles my mind what they were thinking. And, like, I understand, like, some people, there's there's a lot of criticism, I feel like, sometimes about, you know, oh, every kid gets a trophy or something. Sure. Which, like, okay, sure, if you want to complain, I, I don't know. I remember when we used to do, like, rec soccer leagues or something, you know, to get to the end of the season, they'd be like, Everyone, here's, yeah, here's, here's your trophy. pizza party. Here, you played a season of soccer. Here you go. And it's like, that was always really fun. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I think on that yeah. note, I think we had a particularly, because we had the same soccer coach for all of our yeah. rec league time. And I would say that the the thing that was beneficial to me about the, that trophy ceremony that we had, like at the end of every, at Frank's Pizza in Rocky Mount, Virginia, yeah. uh, was they did, they did give trophies to everybody. But I always felt like our coach did a really good job of like specifically having like details about what you like learned that season like he, yeah. would, he would like give you like a quick blurb right like where he like actually talked about you so i feel like there was a, a degree of positive reinforcement happening at the very least with that feedback right. from the coach yeah and that's i think that more than anything probably is the super beneficial thing anyway all that aside though all that aside yeah it was just a poorly run contest that yeah you were the complete victim of yeah it was not it was not super great it, it's it's literally one of those things that i think like changed my trajectory like <laughs> oh, in God. terms of like it was like what yeah. a pivotal moment it was yeah. you know like it's so it's unbelievable but like there are there are moments and like it was during a super impressionable time in my life and you know like it it took like fixtures that 
it was almost like these foregone conclusions in my head of like, yeah, like probably one day I will be like a TV news reporter in some capacity. Like Mm -hmm. I will probably be on TV someday because that's what I will have like learned. So it was like, you know, for like a nine year old or whatever, it was part of the constructs that I, that like felt like firm fixtures Mm -hmm. that, you know, then it was kind of like, Ooh, yeah, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Yeah. Especially because it it sort of came on the, on the wave of, (gasps) I did make it to the finals of of like this, the second tier or whatever, you know? Oh, that's the thing. Like, (laughs) You're getting, like, destroyed for being last place in fourth. But realistically, you came in fourth out of, like, over 100. When you look at it like that. Yeah. But within the context of the the event itself, it did not feel that way. Yeah, no, not at all. So, anyway, that was my that was my grand speech adventure that I think wow. has permanently led to my uh, lack of confidence in, uh, in finish line announcing. <laughs> I see. I would say I had a, a, a somewhat similar, not... Obviously, not like yours situation, but in I want to say it was like fifth grade or something as part of uh, D.A.R.E., you know, the oh so effective anti-drug program they had at every elementary school ever. Right. Yeah. Let's simplify things. Hangovers are bad. Hangovers are bad. Yeah. yeah. Just let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> they, I just man, stuff about D.A.R.E. baffles because they would just tell you all these things like they would tell you like. Don't smoke pot or marijuana. Or this is like what it is, but they didn't even tell you what the effects were. Right. Like here, like they're just like if you smoke this, you, basically you will end up like homeless and on the streets. Right. And you're right. just like, like, gosh, if that's true, why, like, why are people doing it? Right. You know, which is maybe what they want you to think. But then it's like, but the problem is that because they didn't tell you, there are very short-term positive effects people will experience. Right. That. That later on, when people discovered there were the said positive effects, they were like, oh, that seems worth it. And it's like, oh, if I don't go to an extreme extreme, I probably will be okay. What was the point? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's why I don't think it was effective at all. Anyway, enough about dare. Enough about dare. Enough about dare. Part of our dare class was that uh, at one point, everyone had to write an essay, and uh, which, great, which, you know, I remember having forgotten to do until the night before. And because it wasn't like a graded thing or something. It was like, oh, yeah, the dare officer who comes once a month said we had to do this. And I totally forgot. But now I have to do it tomorrow. Sure. So I can hand it in. So I wrote it like the night before and handed it in. I want to say the paper was all crinkled up because I was like, you know, part of my dare notebook that just lived in my backpack. Nice. Nice. All messy. Well, you know, two weeks later, the dare officer comes back and it turns out these essays were part of a contest that they were doing. And guess who won? You. Me. What? I won the whole thing. It's fantastic. Or a similar situation, I guess. At least I won for our class. I think it was a winner for each, like, fifth grade class. Sure. And surprise, surprise, not only did I win, but I was now going to have to read it in front of the whole school. Oh, my gosh. Horrifying. I was just like, what? This was, like, the worst. Like, it went from, like, this moment of, like, extreme, like, oh, my God, what, how cool. I won a thing to now you have to read what you wrote to everyone. And it's like, oh. Don't want to do it. I, I, I don't, don't want to. I, I don't want to do not, it. I'm not on board. And it's like not on that. It's happening in like 20 minutes at the dare assembly. And like oh, I do not want to do it. <laughs> I was like, I remember being so nervous and so like petrified of this because it's like I don't know what stuff you write. I guess it could be like somewhat personal. Yeah. And I remember it was the just the worst experience doing public speaking of any kind. Like having to go up there and read 
my dare essay. And I just, it was totally one of those, like, and then I, you know, like, taking a breath between every oh, few right, right. words, like, I'm so nervous. I was like, I, st- oh, I still have, like, hot sweats about it. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, no. oh so bad. I'm, I was always mad about that. Oh. <laughs> that they, like, just made you do it. So what, was there anything, in, do you remember what you wrote at all? Oh, something about, like, how, you know, someone offered you drugs and you said not to do it and now other people, I don't, not really. Not okay. really. Okay, okay, You know, it's like, just, if you if you say no, other people will say no kind of thing, I think. Nice. I don't know. You were so mature. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know me. <laughs> that was my, my winning dare essay and losing dare speech. It's... <laughs> It sounds so good. No. Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. And it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Popcorn culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting you know to me it was just like a rare charizard is a rare charizard like it doesn't doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded it can add huge value and then not only that but once they're graded they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab and that's where arena club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack but it's for a pre-graded card Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre-graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading 
or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which, wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's actually, it's funny because I, I don't know if, if you experienced this because I, now as you were telling that story, I was remembering that like there were like a handful of assemblies, I think, where like my teachers and stuff would ask me to like go on stage to like introduce a speaker or something. So like, I don't know if it was just supposed to be like cute and adorable to have like a small child up mm-hmm. there being like, oh. you know, and now coming in to talk to us is officer so-and-so, uh-huh. you know, but like they would have me do those things and same thing. Like they would like tell me the day of, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to like introduce the, you know, the, the officer officer is coming by to speak today. I was like, I am. Sure. Uh, <laughs> really? Like, Why? In front of the Why? whole school? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I look back on it and maybe it was the type of thing where like, I don't know what my, what my teachers were like thinking or what their perception of the situation was. <laughs> maybe they also just thought it was a foregone conclusion that we were going to be, you know, news reporters when we grew up and they were like, oh, they'll know. be fine. They'll be fine. Throw them in front of the class. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's going to be good. But yeah, there were lots of occasions like that. Or the other one that I had was I was talking to Alice about this the other day. My kindergarten teacher would frequently have me come back. And maybe this was more common than than I would have thought. But I'll throw it out there to the to the, you know, popcorn culture community to see if anybody else did this. My kindergarten teacher would frequently have me come back to her class in future years to just like read a book to the kindergarten class. Ah, so it was like a first, second grader, whatever, fourth grader. Mm -hmm. Like literally she would like write a note to my teacher to say like can Ben come at like one o'clock today to read a book to my class yeah and so then I would go and do that but maybe that's the type of thing that was like much more common I don't I f- know I feel like probably what was happening was there was some staff meeting amongst the teachers where having where it was it was told to the younger like oh are you if you have a third grade class you should pick one of your students from fifth grade who's presently in fifth grade and have them come read to your class because it's good for the third graders to see fifth graders or something. Oh, sure. sure like, sure. like it's good yeah. to get, like they'll be encouraged to read more. I, I would assume that's the line of thinking. Right. So, like they were instructed to pick a former student to come. It's so interesting to think about, I need to talk to Beth about this because now I have so many questions because the other, other thing, yeah. if I'm going to throw it out there is I very frequently with my, my elementary school teachers, there was some type of system that they had where we could like earn a class party yeah. by receiving like 30 compliments like from oh, other yeah. from like other teachers in the oh, hallway. Yeah, I remember this. So it was like, yeah, like you'd be like in like a straight line, like waiting for gym class or something. And like, you know, Miss Howell's class would be coming out and like, <clears throat> like Miss Rogers would be like, now everybody look how quiet Miss Howell's class is being. They're being really good. And I'm like, man, this guy's just earned an apple. <laughs> yeah. For the, uh, this, for the Velcro board. Are you wondering, was everyone on the staff in on the compliment game? Yes. Oh, for sure. They were. Okay. A thousand percent. Because... Yeah, this this would not be the sort of thing where 
Yeah, yeah. That's exactly because every classroom had the same like compliment game going on. Like I think in our in my in you know you'd have like a chain of paper coming down from the ceiling, and when oh, the chain yeah. hit the hit the floor, hit the floor, you want a pizza party or something, and so. Uh, but yeah, you'd be like standing in the line hall and someone would just come by and out of nowhere drop like this magnificent compliment. Oh, isn't your class being so quiet? And you'd be like, yeah, that's right. Oh, man, we're being so, so quiet. Guys, nobody say anything. We're being so quiet right now. But that's exactly what they want. They want you to, they're like, they want to encourage good behavior based on social pressure to get the party. Man. Yeah. How much did we value pizza parties? I mean, hey, like a yeah, lot, a lot. It's like we would put in, we would put in like months of work, yeah, basically for that pizza party. And it almost yeah. always feel, felt like the they the parties would land like near a holiday or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> what do you know? What do you know? Maybe they had a signal towards one another where it was like it was like like tap your shoulder, you know, like hey, yeah. do the thing, do the thing. Yeah, I don't know. I remember our third grade class had some sort of just arbit- what felt like arbitrary point system where you'd have like five little islands of desks and those uh that was like your team or whatever anytime anytime the teacher would rearrange the desks you would have that would be your new your new team okay and anytime there was like games in class or something where it'd be like all right everyone who can you know every every island send up someone to see who can solve this math problem the fastest or something right and then if you win you get like 10 points and she would like keep track of it meticulously on some sheet of paper and if at the end of whatever time period, your little group of people was the winner. You got to stay in the classroom during lunch and have a pizza party with the teacher. What? What? I know. How fantastic. Fantastic. What better than getting to stay in the classroom instead of going to the cafeteria? Something. something yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. I think yeah. that was a thing. It was yeah. like, ooh, I get to stay back. That's right. Whoa, this is exciting. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I bet, I want to know what other people's, uh, like, what what ways other teachers at other schools were getting their children to cooperate? I know it's so funny because the rewards are so like they're so small, but they were also so coveted. Yeah, that was. I remember my third grade teacher had this thing where it was kind of like she would have like a like a plastic like chalk holder or something, and it was you know like so instead of holding the chalk with your hand, you oh, like, yeah. fit it into a sleeve. Yeah, and it was like every time one got like kind of worn out, it was like, kind of like one special student would like get the old one and like they got to like keep it in their desk and like you know if they had to go and solve a math problem on the board they would like they'd be like let me grab my chalk holder oh yeah this was this was such a thing yeah uh our yeah i had a teacher who also had the chalk holder so they didn't get chalk on their hands and then what would happen is kids would go home and be like can i get one of these and they're you know they would have store-bought they just their parents would just buy them and it was like this cool thing within this little culture of the classroom to have. If you had like a chalk holder, I was like, oh, that's extra cool because the teacher has one. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's way better, way better. Yeah, that was OK. So I, that's I have I have so many stories flashing back to me all at once right now. Yeah. Uh, one of them was I remember in again in third grade, I had one of my fellow classmates showed up one day and they had a pen that was like shaped like a syringe and it had like the ink was like you know it looked like oh like, like green. flowing around or something yeah like green yeah. liquid or something inside of like the thing or whatever and i was like that is the coolest thing ever <laughs> and they were like well i can get you one and i was like you can what and <laughs> you know a guy <laughs> you know a guy like how do friend how do <laughs> and so i think i literally brought like a dollar 25 
and gave it to this person. And then like, I remember like checking in every morning. It was almost like checking your front door for like a package to be delivered. It was mm. like, he got that pen yet? Get that. Was that you, pen? Is the pen here yet? Yeah. And it was like, it was almost in my mind. I remember like as, as like a eight year old kid trying to figure out like, like, how am I going to afford more of these? Like, as if this other classmate of mine was like a mail order service. And it was like, <laughs> as like, they, they have unlimited pens for me to purchase as long as I can find the means. Right. And it's like, that's what it comes down. I got to find the means y'all. Yeah. Like, how will I afford this? Um, and I, I think I got like three of them. And when I finally got the red one, it was like, this one's cool. You paid this person on three separate occasions. <laughs> oh, I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> and they just kept bringing you new pens. They just kept bringing me new pens. And you, but you didn't get to request the color. It was just no. It was <laughs> like it was like I knew that red was the one I wanted. You yeah. know. Uh, especially the other thing about this was that in third grade they wouldn't let you write with pens anyway, so I had no actual like functional use for the pens. Yeah. But I would keep them like in my desk, you know, and it was kind of like they were on display. Like yeah. Like, like anybody walking by, it's like you see my pens? See these? You see, you see these right yeah. here? Because they're pretty cool pens. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't use them for anything, but I have them. So. <laughs> Sit here in this little pen holder lip thing at the front of the desk. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I feel like that was always a thing for me though. Like I always, I think I very highly valued like that wow factor mm-hmm. as like a young kid. Yeah. It was like, I Some need- things never change. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is still true about me to this day. For Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Yes. In what capacity? You just looked at me like. Oh, like, I was trying to see what shoes you had on today. Uh, some, you, you'll have to. Uh, we talked about your shoes last week too. I, I know, know. I know. Apparently, my shoes are like that. Is that is where the wow factor? That it possibly where I first learned that fashion could be cool. Yeah. Okay. You had like the belt buckles and stuff in high school. In high school, I did. Yeah. I eventually did I had the, the belt, belt buckle with like the little scrolling like. Uh, yeah. What was that screen called? It was like red dots, but you could like write yeah, like messages. a dot matrix or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could like have it like say something like a whiteboard. Yeah. On it. It's like all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. I had, yeah. Several of my teachers would be like, which belt buckle are you wearing today? (laughs) Which like in hindsight, I don't know if that would sound like a weird question to ask, but I remember in fifth grade was the first time ever that I like picked out a pair of shoes. Yeah. And it was, it was this like big thing that was happening when I was 10 or 11 where they were, I think it was the first like slip in shoes. So oh. they were like no laces, but you just like slip your foot into the shoe. Crazy. And I know really wild. I forget what they were called. I think it was called a Nike free. That's what I, that's what came to my mind. Okay. I think it was called a Nike free. And it, yeah, it was like the ones, the first pair that I got, they had this like almost like rubberized plasticky cage over like the top of it instead of laces. And they were super lightweight and like bright red. And I remember I got this pair. Oh, and then the, the heel instead of having like that like a little loop you might use to like pull your like the bottom of your shoe on yeah it was like a fin like oh, a plastic fin that wow. stuck out and i was like aerodynamic i know yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so like the faster you run you get like that wind breakage it's <laughs> yeah. like just like basically a stream coming off the back of your shoes you're going so fast basically <laughs> basically you get it completely <laughs> exactly um and I, this was something where I remember like, yeah, I got like, I specifically wanted to go to the shoe store to get these shoes. And I went to the store and I got them. And I remember walking in to fifth grade the next morning and like literally everyone's jaws, I think hit the floor. <laughs> they were like, what? people were like, whoa, Amazing. those are cool shoes. And I was like, I know this is the best. And wait, do you see how fast I could run? <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, it's like in Coco where Miguel's like, I used to run like this, but now I run like this. 
That's like that. That's <laughs> exactly would, like that. That's what I would demonstrate. What a what a that. And do you remember? I feel like that was part of going to the to the shoe store as a kid. It was like you gotta try on like five or six different pairs. You gotta see which one runs the fastest. Would, would, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if the shoes are doing any of the work. Jay, we're doing all the work. Because like, they might be lighter than the last pair of shoes you had, mm-hmm. and you know, therefore better. I don't know if that kind of consideration was going through my brain as like a elementary school kid that like shoes would be faster based on weight, not just like the the uh, an innate quality of the shoe. Okay, like you okay. know, wasn't there was a, I don't know what the reason these shoes just are faster. <laughs> Not not for reasons. Not for reasons. <laughs> Just are. Well, okay. Just if so, you could get like the Diablo drop down stat menu. Right. You know, like, it would say, this one would say plus two to speed and this one would say plus three to speed. But I didn't have like a scroll of identity. So I decided, you just have to try them on until you, you knew which one was faster. Right, right. Yeah. Your legs, irrelevant to how fast you move. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh man. Yeah. No, I, I, that, so I talked about it earlier. My, uh, my Gary Fisher mountain jam was my, was my bicycle yeah. that I had in fourth mm-hmm. grade. Uh, and, uh, or maybe fifth grade. Now I can't remember, but that was, that was like such the same thing where it was like, I had had like a bike that I had outgrown. And I remember, uh, like dad would take us to the bike shop and he had told us about like the person Gary Fisher and like, you know, why the bike was special or cool or whatever. Like he like admired them like for himself. And so I was like for my birthday one year, I was like, I want a Gary Fisher bike. And so they got me one and it was so cool looking and it had like front shocks, you know, I was like, Check that. Look at that. I can now roll over bumps and feel it less. That's right. Um, except it was not. It was not very nice. And the, I mean, the the bike was, but it, it weighed like forty pounds or something. It was like absurdly heavy. Mm, heavy uh, bike, especially for how small it was and how small I was. Uh, and so I remember it was almost like I got this new bike, and then I just assumed like I am now innately better at mountain biking because exactly. because look at my bike. Yeah. And yeah, so same exact thing. It's like I had I had nothing to do with how good I was at mountain biking. I was riding a better bike, and therefore I was better. I think everyone deceives themselves into thinking this exact same thing about iPhone cameras. Okay, tell me this is this is so topical. Like, well, because like every at this point, it's not like iPhones are that different. You know, there's many upgrades that, you know, happen to them between versions or whatever. But the main thing I think a lot of people care about is the quality of the camera. Yes. And that's probably like, the thing people use the most. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the thing people use the most. And every time a new one comes out, it's gotten so much better. Right. Right. And it's like, imagine how good I'm going to be at photography now. Like, oh, right. You know, right. It's, yes. like, it's like, well, you know. You're, I doubt you're going to change up any technique or adjust any settings more than opening camera and pressing go. The cameras, the the photos might be just a, a touch crisper right. here and there. But like, are you a better photographer? Are you taking more artistic shots or, you know. Or is the camera just that much better? Right, or it, it's like the camera, like, here's the thing. It's, it's like the difference between like you could, you, a complete amateur, could pick up a very professional camera and like a, I feel like a professional photographer could then pick up like an iPhone and you could sit there and be like, well, I have this insane, amazing camera that makes me good at photography. And like, you are still not going to take better pictures than that person. Oh, sure. sure you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like, so the, it, so much of what makes a good photographer is like understanding lighting and spacing and framing and right. like all of the different like X factor ideas that go into how a photo is constructed mm-hmm. going just beyond simply pointing and shooting. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
That's what I think. So I think most people, they're like so excited about the new camera. It's going to look so much better. And like maybe it does look better if you're just pointing and shooting. Right. Like it is a little bit better right. for sure. But it's a, like, are you a better photographer? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. Well, I mean, this this is like the thing, though, that I frequently wondered about iPhone cameras being as good as they are, smartphone cameras for that matter, uh, is that like my impulse to understand like a proper photography camera mm-hmm. has like dramatically gone down. Like, I think that especially, I mean, I think I was in seventh grade the first time I bought my first digital camera. It was a 2.3 megapixel Minolta. Mm-hmm. That was, I think they make copiers. Oh. Uh, Minolta, the brand. And I remember, it, you know, it was so cool. And like dad had one that was like 3.9 megapixels and it was a Sony. Yeah. You know, and it was like, whoa, I was like, that's a, I can't afford something like that. I don't got my 2.3 megapixels. Whoa. Or whatever. But it was something I was like at least somewhat tuned into from like being. I don't know, around that younger age, I was like, okay, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning things about cameras that make them slightly better. But then I think that as iPhone cameras got so good, I've never really like wanted for more than what my iPhone camera is capable of doing. Right. Like I'm, I'm not usually taking pictures and being like, oh, I wish I had something like a bit beefier here so I could take like an even better photo of this particular thing. And I think that that's almost like, like the the glory of an iPhone is that it does so much of the work for you. It's a oh, yeah. point and shoot. Like for sure, you know, it adapts to the lighting. It makes adjustments on the fly. Like it's doing so many like little micro decisions that if you were holding a camera in like manual mode, like chances are, if you don't know anything about cameras, not even chances are 100% the case. If you don't know anything about cameras, you can take a better photo with an iPhone than you could with a camera, like a nice camera. Yeah. Because it's not just making the shutter open and close. Like, yeah, you know, I think really that's, that's where you're stepping so far beyond. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But that's, but I have, I I don't have that much desire to learn those bits of information because I'm like, just, I'm, I'm perfectly content with my iPhone. Yeah. With the photos you have. Yes. You're taking. Yes. Nice. 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 Indeed. Man. How about a fun fact about coyotes? Oh, how? Yeah. 50 minutes in. Actually, I thought this was particularly interesting this week uh, is why coyotes howl. Oh, okay. Like, because I think apparently the the big perception is that coyotes are howling like when they've made a kill, which is not necessarily the case. Uh, I don't know if you would have thought that. I don't. I wouldn't have thought coyotes were howling when they made a kill. My assumption is that they are calling other coyotes to them for some reason yeah that's i mean that that's pretty well like right on the head there is that like some some coyotes will go out and hunt solo and then they will sort of like alert the others around them to like their location ah. you know in a, in a manner of speaking uh but all, uh, interesting as well is that a lot of people think that like coyotes or wolves or, or dogs even howl at the moon yeah which i is like another like big misconception it's actually mm. not the case they're just they are nighttime hunters okay and so their howling is just happening at at night by coincidence Mm. basically so probably the hunting is better when there's a full moon too that is probably also the case as well yeah 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 yeah. so maybe it's like it what is that like causation is not 
Oh, oh, correlation is not causation. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a good example of that. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was particularly interesting, especially since we added a coyote howl okay. to our our fun music that Ethan, our editor, interjects before each fun fact about coyotes. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Ben, can I give you? Can I tell you a corny joke? You, Jay, you can absolutely tell me. A okay. Corny this joke. one was on the Reddit, and I'm only bringing it up right now because it happens to be about coyotes it does it does how oh how perfectly <coughs> fitting i know okay ready ready okay, are you ready I'm, I'm ready all right ben why was the coyote on a bus i don't know why was the coyote on the bus because coyotes can't drive ah <laughs> coyotes can't drive i was gonna get around oh man poor coyotes oh man i wish this, they i wish they could drive this particular joke was uh accompanied on the reddit by a photo of a coyote on a bus oh <laughs> and <laughs> I, don't, I read it. Maybe I was in just the right mood, but it made me. I was just like laughing by myself for like two minutes. Did you get a square fit of the g- giggles? Yeah, I was like, no, this is this is perfectly packaged. This okay. Comedy. So sometimes there are like moments in time and space and history that are captured for the internet to observe and enjoy. And I'm like, how did this happen? Yeah. Like because the the photo of the coyote on on a bus like means that somebody was on a bus with a coyote. Yes, like, yes. And, like, and they were chill enough to just take a photo. Right, and that was their reaction. Was like, It's like, wow. It's like you like look up from your phone and be like, I'll be darned. That is a coyote sitting on a... I'm taking a photo right now. And then they posted it somewhere where it caught enough traction that it became a meme yeah. that it like eventually infiltrated a partially coyote-themed podcast, a.k.a. Popcorn Culture. Exactly. <laughs> coyote-themed pop. I don't know if we're coyote-themed. Well, well, we're not not coyote-themed. We have, they, we have music. We do talk a lot about coyotes for <laughs> somehow... <laughs> Well, it's because, you know, Ben the Coyote Carlin. Ben so. the Coyote Carlin. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Okay. So let's see here. Um, as we as we transition to our last and final topic, maybe possibly of today's episode. I wanted to it's the holidays, right? So this this episode of, of Popcorn Culture is coming out the day after Thanksgiving. Black Friday. Black Friday. Yeah. Are you shopping on Black Friday? Uh, well, or hold on. I have, I have a bigger all-encompassing question. Yeah. Is as a gift giver. So for me personally, gift giving is like one of my love languages. Yeah. This is like it's it, not gift receiving, interestingly. Yeah. Just gift giving. It's like a one-way street. That's okay. That's um, how love languages are. It's there you can you can have them in one direction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One, in one direction. Like the like the band that probably some people's love language. <laughs> it could be my love language is One Direction. The band, the band. It's not one of the conventional five, but um, but it's in there. But it's, it's in there. You know, most people consider it a good uh, a good sixth. <laughs> yeah, it's a good sixth option. Right, right, right. So anyway, yeah, for me though, like I think coming into the holidays, I I tend to have like. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. I get like really excited to do this. It's like, like actually even on Black Friday, I'm not going out shopping or anything like that, but Alice has her bridal shop. So she's going to be working and I'm like, I got a full day, got a full day of shopping, to figure this stuff out. Yeah. So anyway, do you have, do you have strategies, goals? Is there anything particularly true? You have kids now. I do have kids now. And, and Luke is probably of age to genuinely be excited about Christmas, which I am personally oh, extremely excited for. Yeah, I'm very excited for Luke's experience of Christmas this year. I've mostly been focusing about his, his birthday, which uh, is this coming Sunday, which is another situation where I'll be receiving gifts. So that's been my, my more immediate focus on the gift giving front. I have got at least ideas for 
I think most people in the family, I don't have like a particular strategy for going about deading all of them other than just, I don't know. Not, I, I don't know. I'm not like hunting sales or something. I'm probably just, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Do you ever like envision the open? Like, are you ever like, okay, like this is the thing I'm going to get. And like, this is what I'm going to say when they open it. And like, you know, like, do you ever enjoy telling like the story of like how you came to get it or like yeah. why it's particularly unique or any of those things? Cause that's, I feel like a lot of times that's like what's going on in the back of my mind as I'm shopping. It's like, I can't wait to see them open this. Like, yeah. Well, the thing about most people with getting like really perfect gifts, I feel like that really have just this all encompassing story back to back, you know, to them is that I feel like probably you and Beth are the people I am capable of landing on perfect gifts for. Oh, sure, like, sure. I like even even like our parents. Like I don't think I am like on the same spend time with them level to. Like to, to arrive at the same kind of gift. It's and it's that's a that's a reasonable that's a reasonable thing. I mean, like you you spend a lot of time around me through work and Beth yeah. obviously through you know normal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, home. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I probably you two in particular. I uh, think a little bit more about like what oh, what the, isn't this like a perfect thing I landed on? That it'll be so cool to tell them how I got this or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I get that. I get that. Yeah, well, and so I think that that sort of becomes that I don't know. That's the game. I just think it's interesting uh, because there was a there was a shift at some point in my life where like I remember like I used to super look forward to Christmas as a kid. I think Ugh. mom and dad both spectacular gift givers, mm-hmm. and I remember there used to kind of be this thing where it would be like you'd be like opening presents or whatever, and you'd like look over at the tree and you'd be like, I wonder how many I have left. Like right, you know, and like you'd be like uh-huh. trying to like spot like another one like with your name on it or whatever. Like We're gonna get. who's the big one for? Yeah, right. Um, uh-huh. It's always the kids. It's always the little kids. Yeah. You remember that at Christmas growing up at our yeah. grandparents' house, yes. there would always be a huge like wrapped package over in a corner, and it was always like, you know, like a like a place school slide or something right but it was in like a huge box and like yeah. your imagination would go wild like maybe it's a you know one eighth scale at walker or something yeah, like that shoots real lasers could be how do they find it no idea never even seen a commercial for one but mom and dad they've they found a real at at right it's um, gonna walk around <laughs> yeah but so the, the thing that has shifted for me though is that now at, like every year at Christmas, I'm always like looking for my wrapping paper that I used to wrap gifts for everybody else. And it's like, ooh, okay, I still have like like three gifts for people to open. People to open that I bought. That I uh-huh. bought. Uh-huh. Time to time to try to remember what they are, get my story ready, be excited about it. Here we go. Can't, can't wait to explain everything to you. Yeah. Also, there's a gift to treat in case you don't like it. You know, you don't like it. <laughs> this is gift receipt, yeah. <laughs> like, like the little like, like disclaimers. Like, it's okay if you don't like it. Like, it's it's perfectly fine. These are the reasons. It might not be the right size for you. Do you like the color? Mm. You know, go through all the right things. It seems like if it was like such a a gift with with such thought behind it that it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't be like a do you li- like a like a piece of clothing or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's reasonable and true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unless but that's where I think sometimes okay, so I would say this this falls into my gift-giving behavior is that there's such a thing as the perfect gift and then there's also the time where it's the perfect find. So like there is a like our whole family likes generally like outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think as as sort of a rule. Yeah. If you don't know what to get someone in our family, just get them more running gear. Running gear. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what it is. It's dry fit. Dry it's, fit. It's, yeah. Uh, what is this? Merino wool. Yeah, I was gonna say merino <laughs> wool. It's so comfy. It's so comfy, and you can wear it several times, and it won't smell. 
what? <laughs> so, but, I don't know from experience. What? <laughs> yeah, sure. Have not tried it. But like occasionally that's where, yeah, I feel like I'll, I'll find something where maybe maybe the gift is not like that perfect blend of like need, want, usability, like, you know, all of those details or whatever. But it's like, but I found a really, really good deal to where it's like, aha, uh-huh, I was able to buy outside of the price range because I was able to find it for a lower price. Uh-huh. And so that can sometimes be like, that would be probably the category where you where i would i would spring for clothing or gotcha something. i yeah, see yeah it's all like, right it's like this is this is nicer than what you know like our familial budget would would dictate but got a great deal on got it. got a great so, deal so it makes it it makes it okay although that's I, I suppose that's an interesting question is that like if you have like a a price guide for gifts how do sales play into that like are sales fair game or is is value the rule because one year in particular, I remember we were doing Christmas with uh, our mom's family. So, like, you draw a name out of a hat or whatever. Right. And I think the spending limit was, like, $35 or something for the the gift for whoever was there. And this particular year, I was really into making, like, cornhole sets yeah. because I was building a lot of stuff for my aquariums. And I had so much, like, leftover wood and uh-huh. materials and all that that I was like, oh, this will be really cool. I'll make them, like, a cornhole set. And then I've already got all the wood. And materials all I need to buy is like bags right and so like I ended up giving like a handmade cornhole set right which probably would exceed the $35 value but the only thing I actually had to purchase right were you just built it out of leftover wood I built it out of leftover wood which I had but yeah so that it was kind of like I wasn't counting any of that cost or my time right into it but then yeah. it was probably like far and above you know a $35 Amazon gift card yeah in terms of yeah so what's the ruling there I think that's totally okay. That's kosher? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay. That's good. You wouldn't be upset? I don't think people are going to be upset if they ended up with something more expensive than the cost limit Okay. was. I think the only area, and it's probably because you handmade it too, that that works in quite nicely. Sure. The, the tricky part isn't, the person getting it is obviously going to be like thrilled because they got something, you know, nice and shiny and expensive. Sure. Um, the You might rub people the wrong way. Where if everyone else gave each other nice $20 gifts and all of a sudden you knew a guy who was selling PlayStation 5s for 20 bucks out of the back of his car and <laughs> and you get and, and it, guess what? Now you gave someone a PlayStation. Like all of a sudden you look like this enormous hero. Yes. Yeah. And it's yes. like, hey, you're like. That was cheating. That was hey, like yeah. you went too far. You went, you too, went too far. far. Yeah. yeah. It's like that episode of The Office where they're doing Secret Santa. And That's what I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah. It's like, that was $10 except Michael got an iPod. And it's like, well, now it's not fun because everyone's going to keep stealing the iPod. The iPod. Yeah. I wonder how well that scene ages because the iPod is like, yeah, it's it's gone through so many like stages of evolution. Right. Who has an point? iPod? <laughs> yeah. At this point. Yeah. It, it feels like, would you have an iPod or would you just, it would literally just everybody have iPhones? Well, I think, I think you have things like, um, like I, our little cousins have like iPod touches for a while. Oh, so it was like, right. a this can't make, this can't communicate uh, with other people. <laughs> Well, unless you had wireless. I unless you, you had wireless. Maybe, maybe that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody. I don't know. Okay. 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 Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited. And if you're listening to this on Friday morning, the day after Thanksgiving, then you can just know that I'm cozied up at my computer. Yeah. Hopefully having like a small little spending spree. Wow. Just going, going to town. Going to town. Finding great deals, thoughtful ideas. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
I'm actually I feel completely blank this year. Wow. I got I got like an you got em- nothing. I, my my piggy bank of ideas in my brain is empty. That's unfortunate for you. I know. I'm yeah. gonna have to figure something out. Yeah. Christmas maybe it's coming up fast, yo. Maybe everybody will get snowballs. <laughs> I got you a snowball. I got you a snowball. Throw it now. <laughs> Throw it now, or it will melt. <laughs> it will melt. <laughs> in which case, I got you water. <laughs> I think they would just throw it right at you. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. That'd be fine. That'd be uh, fine. <laughs> what an experience, though. Yeah. It's like you can uh, literally a note that says you can throw the snowball at me right now. Right now. That's, that's your gift. That's the gift that gives once. That's not <laughs> That's not the worst gift, I suppose. Like, you can, here's what I'm giving you. A free shot. A free shot. Just enjoy it. Have you ever wanted to hit someone right, right in the face with a snowball? You get, right now. Right now. You get to hit me in the face with a snowball. See, experiences are where it's at. Yeah, that's, that's the experience. That's enough with buying people things. Give them the experience of a snowball. <laughs> that's right. You wrap up snow, put it in a box, hand it to someone. Think of the savings. Think of the savings. Like we're all gonna go outside right now, and this person is gonna hit me. In everyone's gonna get to experience it in some way. Yeah. Like how many? Because everyone has snowball fights, but how often does someone? Do you get, get to? to fully land a snowball right in right in someone's face <laughs> you know like here's the thing about it's a rarity it's, it's a, a rarity because one <laughs> snow doesn't fly through the air in a predictable trajectory the way that regular balls do it sure does very subject to you know wind conditions and the shape of the ball and your throwing mitten right uh, right yeah many things going against it it's not going to be moving at like full speed or anything it's not and that's this is what you imagine when you're in a snowball fight you imagine again come out behind the corner whipping that snowball the whip boom it's, right in the face it's like it's like elf from the movie <laughs> it's elf exactly like that yeah he's just like whoa, whoa, whoa. this is what goes through your mind and then the reality is that you, this is impossible almost like you're not going to hit someone in the face with a snowball it's just they're they're a moving target already you have all these limiting factors you're wearing four layers of sweaters <laughs> but and then and then even if you do guess what it's not the glorious moment you imagine now someone's crying and they gotta go inside and the, the fight's over everything's no, over it's yep. terrible yep. so really what you were giving you were giving everyone a free chance a free a, a free, free chance a free chance they hit you right in your face with a snowball, and they get to watch and know, and you're like, you're not gonna cry, probably. Uh, prob- hopefully, even if you, I mean, even if you do, like, this was the gift. This was the gift. Everyone I, gets to feel good about this. I signed up for it. Yes, I signed up for this. Yep, yep. So I think that's uh, that's the gift that it's, I mean, but it's like you get that memory for the rest of your life too. Right. So yeah. in a way, it's the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. No cameras. No, no cameras. No cameras. Everyone yeah. gets to experience this in the moment. Right. And they can tell stories as long as they want. But no cameras. <laughs> I wonder if documentation has has uh, prevented stories from being like glamorized in a way that you would almost want them to be. Mm. You know, where it's like, oh, that one Christmas where we all did the thing. And it's like, you know, it's like you'd want to like kind of embellish that story as time goes on. And it's like all perfect and wonderful. But then like, you know, if there's photo documentation of it, it's like, right. And you can see how it wasn't that wonderful. Right. You can see it right there. See it right there. In the pixels. There's probably two ways to this street where on the one hand, yes, people have people's ability to lie about things is diminished greatly. Yeah. However, People's ability to prove truly amazing things happened has also gone up. Like a coyote on a bus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you're not gonna, there was a coyote on a bus, like prove it. Boom. What? That is amazing. That's amazing. That's almost like getting hit in the face with a snowball. Or getting to hit somebody in the face exactly. with a snowball. That's I think what that's it's the like. real thing. Yeah. 
Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Pop. We appreciate it, as always. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you guys would like to support us over on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash popcornculture. I'm pretty sure last week I, I gave the wrong URL. Wow, bad. I, because it's Super Carlin Brothers. I yeah. just, you know, it was stuck in my brain. <laughs> My brain nugget. We do uh, an extra little segment after each episode called After the Final Pop, where mm. Jay and I basically just discuss something else for an additional, you know, 15, 20 minutes. A little bit of extra time. A little, a little, little extra bit of extra, a little extra dab time. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually found that I'm talking to you less on purpose in like whilst we are interacting so that we can save it for the pop. I see. Yeah. So in case I've seemed distant... It's totally not for other reasons. It's 100% for this reason. Well, I believe I, you're saying it in kind of a suspicious way. <laughs> you, you, you can believe whatever you want. Okay, I will. <laughs> uh, thank you to these patrons who now support us over on Patreon, including Zachary, Eliza, Jason Bowie, Hen Pervandi, Orifer, Isaac Draper, Evil Lord of Cake, great name, Dean Peace, Panda Lover Lily, Annabelle Cully, and Sean. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for your support on Patreon. Again, if you guys want to support us over on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash popcorn culture. But otherwise, until next week, pop pop! Pop!